You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Well, welcome back into the latest edition of TopHeavyweights.com, the podcast. I am the somewhat capable host of the program, TJ Reeves. He is Sean from TopHeavyweights.com. I must have done something right because Sean is back aboard uh, with me here to feature and talk about uh, the heavyweight division and TopHeavyweights.com. It's more good to be back with you as we now enter a new month here, the month of June, with some heavyweight action in the ring. Good to be with you, first of all. Good to be with you, TJ. Things are starting to warm up. There's activity under the surface, and we're going to break it down, look back, look forward, and I look forward to doing it with you. I love it. Uh, anything that has to do with the heavyweight division, you need to go to topheavyweights.com. And also, thank you for finding us on the podcast feed, A Big Fight Weekend, here as we rock on. We've made some additions. Uh, Sean has jumped aboard here. Uh, we usually come your way midweek. We will be in and around whenever there is news. So we might do one of these each and every week for a few weeks in a row, or it might be every other week. We pledge that as long as events are current and fights are happening in the heavyweight division, Sean, Sean and I will be around to preview, to review, uh, et cetera. Uh, and by the way, again, however you found us through the Big Fight Weekend podcast a feed of shows, whether you found us through a social media link, through uh, Sean's site, topheavyweights.com. Again, make sure you're following or subscribing on the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed, and then you don't have to have any prompting. You just get a notification. You get an alert that there's a new podcast for topheavyweights.com. Usually midweek during a week, you'll get an alert. If you're following or subscribing, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. So let's get into it. Uh, interesting that we have some news. We have a heavyweight bout that took place last weekend. Again, we got fights coming up. We got some historical perspective. Let's begin with kind of the news. Otto Wallin, the Swedish heavyweight contender, was back in action since last you and I talked. A yeah. win over the longtime veteran Rydell Booker of the, of the U.S., not a remarkable fight for a lot of reasons. It's a win for Valin, who formerly fought uh, Tyson Fury and lasted the distance in that fight. Sean, do you, what do you make of the Valin win? And what, if anything, does it do to keep his name relevant right now in the heavyweight division? Well, it was an interesting uh, event because they seem to have done everything possible to make it unavailable to people. There wasn't even a broadcast. It was impossible to, to, to find out what happened, but uh, Valin won a 10-round decision. I guess he wanted to stay active. Uh, for Rydell Booker, he brought out the local fans in Detroit, but uh, the scores were pretty lopsided, and uh, I think it was expected, uh, uh, the result, that is. As far as going forward, I think Otto Valin is trying to put his name in the, in the hat of the Deontay Wilder comeback fights or perhaps even the Dillian White comeback fight. He's not linked to any particular promoter i mean he's linked to salida promotions but he's not linked to one of the big players in terms of the where the heavyweights are um are stabled 
So I think he's just trying to keep himself in the mix and he's trying to stay active. And um, to that extent, uh, we salute him. All right. Speaking of Wilder, while we just kind of moved down the checklist, we did see him and we heard from him at a statue unveiling. I did joke on the Big Fight Weekend uh, press conference to Dan Rayfield if he uh, has a statue erected anywhere of him. He confirmed he does not. I don't know this about Sean from Top Heavyweights. You do not have a statue in any kind of a museum, any kind of a location. All right, so you've confirmed you do not. Deontay Wilder now has one in Alabama. What do you make of that honor, the man that held the WBC version of the heavyweight championship for approximately five years, 2015 to 2020, gets honored with a statue sean uh i think that tuscaloosa tuscaloosa gave tribute to their hero and what's interesting about it is that the statue goes up i'm not sure what it says on the statue but it's um interesting in the sense that he is going to be re-entering the mix and he's going to try to make something else happen and um perhaps we're going to be a, see a situation where the the statue might have to be re-engraved when he does something more uh, you know, you, in his career. You bring up a good point. I didn't see what the plaque said. It obviously is going to make reference to him being the heavyweight champion for the WBC for five years. Um, and clearly he said at, at that, I, I am, I'm paraphrasing here. I am going to be back here. Yeah. I want to continue my career. Does that surprise you? that at 36, soon to be 37 late this year, that Deontay Wilder wants to fight on when we know he has money, he has history, he has, he has obviously his name in the record book and, and uh, prominently there in the record book for the late 2010s. Um, and now he has a statue. Does it surprise yeah. you that he wants to fight on or did you suspect that he would want to fight on Wilder? Well, yeah, like we said in the last podcast, um, he's, there's, there's more to it. There's bigger challenges and he's not ready to say goodbye. And um, no matter what he has in terms of material wealth, uh, there's something else to be uh, conquered and that's the heavyweight division. And I think, you know, it's hard to say, I mean, uh, you could be cynical uh, and say that he's simply trying to cash in on, on what he's built. But I think uh, as a sportsman, he's uh, he's ready to take another run and you've got to give him um, the benefit of the doubt. Well, certainly he's still got the lethal right hand, if healthy and if ready. And let's see how soon we see him. You mentioned a curious name, Valin. Is it maybe Robert Hellenius? Right. Uh, you've talked about that name before, too. That's a fighter under the premier boxing champions umbrella. Might be an easy fight to make. You like that? I see you kind of nodding. You like well, that maybe later this year? I think that Robert Hellenius would be in the in the running for sure. Uh, I think the question is, what kind of comeback opponent does Dillian, uh, does uh, Deontay Wilder want? Uh, does he want a comeback opponent that's going to say to the world, I'm back and this means something? Or does he want a comeback opponent like Andy Ruiz took after he lost to uh, Anthony, Anthony Joshua? He took on um, Chris Ariola, who at the time was maybe number 50 in the world or 55 inactive, depending on how you uh, rate him. But for Deontay Wilder to take that kind of uh, an opponent, uh, that's a whole different uh, kettle of fish because we wouldn't really know from that what was uh, what was coming. I have said before, and I'm not coming off of this uh, just for now, he's not going to get a title shot between now and the end of, of 2022. We know that because of the fights, and we're about to talk about the Joshua Usyk rematch, or we should say the Usyk-Joshua rematch since he has the belts. Tyson Fury has no reason to fight him again anytime soon. He's beaten him twice and knocked him out twice. 
I just, I don't believe he ever gets back to the big stage. I think father time 2023, I don't know that he ever gets back there. So does he have one more fight or two more fights calling people out? I don't know. Again, he's got a ton of money. That's just well, me saying that, Sean. Yeah, I, I think his biggest challenge isn't so much age, but injuries. And I think he's had injuries. And um, But again, it's not for me to say what someone can or cannot do. Uh, again, I, I tend to give the benefit of the doubt uh, when it comes to athletic uh, um, you know goals. Especially for this level of an athlete, and uh, I think he's going to uh, give it a good go. So we got to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm with you on that. Let's move on. Speaking of Usyk Joshua, there is news midweek as we release the podcast on TopHeavyweights.com. The podcast that what a surprise! They're still trying to figure out if the site works in the Middle East and if the date works. The reports out of Britain Tuesday afternoon were. It apparently is not going to happen July 23rd, which had been kicked around, but not official. It now looks like maybe second weekend in August. Sean, what do you make of this? Because we have a lot of subplots here, including it's a huge price tag. If Eddie Hearn and Matchroom is trying to get the Saudi Arabians, the Saudis to pay for all of it, this this is not an easy thing. And now we already have a delay, it looks like, into August. What do you make of it, though, Sean? Well, I think the site fee has been confirmed and uh, we should expect an announcement within, well, again, it's always easy to say that, but there should be an announcement within the next week, I would expect. And uh, as far as what it means, I think um, it's the biggest money for an event. It's uh, perhaps no coincidence that the rematch between Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua ended up in Saudi Arabia. So in terms of the competitiveness of the match, that's a separate conversation. As far as it going to the Middle East and Saudi Arabia, they're willing to pay and boxing moves where the money is. Follow the money. As we always say on these podcasts, always yeah. follow the money. One serious one. I don't, I don't want to take us down the rabbit hole of geopolitical problems and the Russian invasion of Ukraine. It is still a horrific situation in Usyk's homeland. It's tragic. It's awful. Uh, we're watching civilian deaths. Uh, we're, we're watching members of the Ukrainian militia who are former amateur star fighters and other and other walks of life that are losing their life. I just wonder, I'm not trying to be a downer here on the podcast. I just wonder as that goes on, will it be a factor maybe in this fight not happening right now? Or maybe you're more optimistic that I am that it can still happen with the, again, the horrific events that are yeah, going on yeah, in Ukraine. I, I can't. I can't comment on that because um, I'm just not closely connected to the intricacies of how these things operate. So I'll have to leave it under. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, we and don't. Yeah, know. I'm not sure. We're all, as I often like to joke, Sean, we're all day to day, aren't we? And this situation is day to day right now uh, with what's happening there. And again, our, our hearts go out to what's going on. Uh, right now in Ukraine, for sure, is the backdrop for whatever happens with Usyk and Joshua. And let's hope they get that lined up. And uh, again, it's uh, it's fascinating on the timeline because the the concern would be clock ticking, Fury awaiting the winner, Tyson Fury awaiting the winner, and could we even squeeze that in before the end of 2022? Let's, let's see. just let's just get over this one. Uh, yeah. let's, let's just get this done let's get this happening and uh, 
and wish the best for everyone. And that's I all agree. we can do. Yeah. Well said on that. All right. Interesting. Uh, announced as well that Huey Fury, relative of Tyson Fury, help me keep straight. That's his cousin. Uh, that's cousin, cousin yeah. in this yeah. case, not half brother Tommy Fury that may or may not actually be a legit fighter as, as opposed to a model and a reality star. Uh, Huey Fury, Michael Hunter. Looks right. like that fight will be happening. Give me more yeah. on this. Well, it's going to happen in Manchester. It's going. It's being promoted by Boxer. That's B-O-X-X-E-R. It'll be on Sky Sports. So this will be uh, broadcast throughout the United Kingdom and to everyone who gets Sky. I think it's an interesting fight. I think um, Huey Fury is the A-side on this one, interestingly enough, because in most uh, people's rankings, uh, Michael Hunter is higher. But... Uh, Michael Hunter is being brought in and they must think they have the style. Uh, obviously, Michael, Michael Hunter is not a huge puncher. Um, it's a bit of a chess match, but if Huey Fury can win this, then he's uh, he's bouncing to the next level. And for tight, for Michael Hunter, obviously, I would assume he's got some sort of a deal with Sky or Boxer that if he gets the impressive win, then they're going to uh, bring him forward as a potential uh, title challenger or perhaps a comeback opponent for the aforementioned Deontay Wilder. Ooh, throw that name out there. Now, it is interesting yeah. because, as I like to joke, Hunter has been passed around promotionally like the offering plate at church here. He's been like three or four different places, whether it be Matchroom or Triller. Uh, the, and, and so now this is a different outlet. Again, does that help or hinder him here with what you're laying out? Well, he just has to win impressively. If he wins impressively, then the doors open. Unfortunately, he's had a few opportunities with Alexander Povetkin and, uh, of course, more recently with Jerry Forrest to make it happen and to make a big statement. He didn't. And um, he's unfortunately seen things uh, go lateral for a little while. And uh, but he's got a he's got a great opponent. He's got a great platform. He's going to have to bring it and he's going to have to bring the danger. I don't think he's going to win in the United Kingdom if he just boxes with Huey Fury and keeps it close. All right. Fascinating on that. One of the things we love to do here on TopHeavyweights.com, the podcast, is reminisce. Reminisce. It's not because Sean is old. It's not because I am uh, nostalgic. Maybe it is. Maybe it is because I'm nostalgic. And but maybe we I'm always, old. We always have something relevant in and around the heavyweight division, especially summertime months, like what the month of June is about to be. I will go ahead and say this. I have on more than one occasion gone back and watched – the epic 15th round of Larry Holmes, Ken Norton, uh, June 9th, 1978. My Lord, that's yep. coming up on 45 years ago, 44 years ago right now. That 15th round is epic. That anniversary coming as we release the podcast here. All right, do you want to confess like me? Have you watched that 15th round a few times where they beat the daylights out of each other? I, I have gone on to say I, I believe that's the greatest 15th round in heavyweight history where nobody gets knocked down the way they beat up on each other. Go ahead, Sean. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it's something that I've seen on YouTube so many times. It's probably beyond, I think that's been shared most. I think you everyone imagines, you know, in the background, you've got Chevy Chase, uh, you've got Roberto Duran and many yes. other famous people who are watching it live. And, and Sylvester Stallone. And Sylvester the, Stallone. The, the trio, again, is Chevy Chase, yeah. Yeah. the actor-comedian who at that time in 1978 was white hot as an actor-comedian. You've got yeah. the Hands of Stone pre-beating Sugar Ray Leonard standing next to him. And yeah. you've got the Sylvester Stallone from Rocky, which had come out and made him famous. 
And they are just eyes wide open, yeah. animated, yelling, watching that 15th round. It's phenomenal to go back and look at that, Sean. It's uh, they're watching something which isn't going to be surpassed for a long time. And it really was the end of Ken Norton being a top player in the division. And it was the beginning of Larry Holmes being a top player in the division. And it was the end of the 70s and the beginning of a new time. They were there. They could feel it. Um, they're fans just like you, just like me. We're all fans, you know. I, and for anyone who was there at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas, it would have been something else to see. And it was, uh, yeah, it was a changing of the guard. And a lot of people, uh, you know, asked the question, did Larry Holmes win the heavyweight championship that night? Because he did win the WBC championship from Ken Norton, who had been given it by beating um, Jimmy Young because Ali, or sorry, Leon Spinks didn't take the rematch uh, or the uh, Leon Spinks didn't take the WBC's mandated defense against Ken Norton. So the title was given to him in, uh, I guess, from his previous win over Jimmy Young. That's right. Anyways, uh, but for Ken Norton, it was, it was the end as far as the top of the division. And um, Larry Holmes won the WBC title. And about a year and a half later, he won the, lineal title from Muhammad Ali of course anyways that's another conversation oh, but of course it's, well uh, so it's so fascinating that you bring this up because all the time we get uh, our eyes rolling and get frustrated by the organizations this was like the time period where the organizations began to mess around with who's yeah. the champ who's not the champ to right. your point Spinks had upset Muhammad Ali in February 1978 and so the WBC wanted him to fight Ken Norton, to your point. He said, no, right. and why not? I'm going to yeah. make much more money fighting Muhammad Ali in the Louisiana Superdome. I'm yeah. going to do that. And so that means the WBC bestowed – is that the right word on the top sure. heavyweight.com? He They bestowed their version of the heavyweight title to Ken Norton, and he remains to this day – I love this trivia nugget. You know this. He's the only heavyweight champion to have never won a heavyweight title fight – because the WBC didn't call that previous fight you were talking about a title fight. They gave him the belt. In the, pre in the present day, they call it emailing the championship. They emailed him the yeah. championship belt, okay. and then Holmes beat him. So what are your thoughts on that aspect? Well, okay, I challenge the trivia a little Please. bit, only because was Lennox Lewis not made the WBC? Oh, no, but he did win. Okay, you're saying, looking back historically, Ken Norton never won a title fight. That's right. I, okay, got it. Yeah, so you're right, and... Uh, Ken Norton fought in a great time with a lot of great heavyweights. Mm -hmm. And I think that Ken Norton would have done a lot more in terms of how we, how the optics are these days uh, than he would have done back then. I think he was in an era of the undisputed championship and he was in the era of Ali and George Foreman and uh, of course, Ernie Shavers. And uh, he was in a great time and he's a great heavyweight, a top heavyweight. And um, how much more respect can you give? And especially when he beat Muhammad Ali, broke Ali's jaw, as a matter of fact, That's in right. that first fight uh, for, for Ken Norton. Again, for the fans, for the younger fans especially, go back yeah. on YouTube and relive the 15th round. At the, the end of the fight is tremendous down the stretch, and they fought 15 instead of 12 in those days. And that yeah. 15th round is just – I still remember uh, one of the first times going back and re-watching that and I, I just did not remember it's it, and now I do because I've seen it uh, subsequently two or three times. It is just amazing that neither one of them goes down. I keep saying that with the haymakers they're hitting each other with. Um, incredible that night. It in was, Vegas for yeah, Holmes it was Norton, it man. was it was the old lion hanging on and the new lion trying to take over. And 
it went to the judges. We have a lot of anniversaries in and around now. And when we release the next podcast, one of those is Jersey Joe Walcott, yeah. who we talked about previously being the heavyweight champion. We talked about him previously, though, dubiously being part of the Muhammad Ali Sonny Liston rematch as the referee that had no clue. What's the count? Where am I? What planet am I on? Is yeah, Liston yeah. down? Is it a knockout? Anyway, Jersey Joe has a famous anniversary of defeating Ezard Charles. Um, and, and you have a footnote about that. It was June 5th, 1952. And why was it significant from an attention standpoint, Sean? Well, if I'm not mistaken, it was the first broadcast of a heavyweight championship on uh, network television. How about that? Yeah. So and, that's, and it uh, became so commonplace uh, in and around there after that to have the heavyweight title fight on TV. Right. That was the first. And we should mention this is Walcott decisioning Ezra Charles. Was the knockout previous to that when he knocked him out? And this was the rematch, I believe, in the chronology. Yeah, it's, it was. it's the rematch. That's right. So, it's his first defense. So Walcott's famous knockout, where at that time he became the oldest heavyweight champion. Listen to me spouting the top heavyweights.com trivia. Walcott at that time became the old, oldest heavyweight champion with a wicked knockout of Ezra Charles. Uh, what was he like? 37, 38. You'll probably know the number, something like that. He was, I believe he was like 30, 36, th or something like that. Yeah. So at that time he was the oldest, this yeah. was the rematch by decision. And I may have to go back and try to find that the first broadcasted nationally heavyweight title fight on live TV. I, I believe so. Not the first, uh, heavyweight match seen on TV because there was a, a broadcast in 1939, uh, uh, Lou Nova and Max Bear, which was broadcast from a, a tower in New York, parts of New Jersey and Connecticut for anyone who had a TV in 1939. <laughs> so very let's, few. Let's, let's just say it was seen, seen by maybe a couple of thousand people. We don't know. But that was the first heavyweight about on any form of television, not broadcast, not network, but uh, local. So. I will share something with you that you do not know. Thomas Reeves, Sr., father of me, grew up as a little guy, as a fight fan in the 1950s. He might have been a little young for this one, but he still recounts with his grandfather, my great-grandfather, therefore, sitting and watching the old Friday night fights on network TV yeah. where they would regularly have a title fight, if not a heavyweight title fight, in the 50s. And how about this? People can't visualize this. I know this is an audio podcast, but the TV screens literally on those TVs were about a four by four inch, not four mm -hmm. foot by four foot, four inch by four inch TV screen in black and white that they're sitting and watching the heavyweight title fight on. But my father still talks about sitting with his grandfather, my great grandfather, watching and his great uh, the the great grandfather may have watched Walcott Ezra Charles on a four inch screen on the TV because it was on. How about that? Why wouldn't he watch? Who would want to miss it? I mean, <laughs> if the if the heavyweight championship was on free TV all over the world or on free device all over the world with no sure. charge, you just watch. I think you'd be looking at an audience in the hundreds of millions. Yeah, sure, sure. In the present day. And to your point, sticking with 1978, before we move on, when Ali fought Spinks again, that uh, fall, 1978, 90 million, nine zero, 90 million watched on US TV yeah. on ABC to watch the greatest regain his heavyweight title. So yeah. it was a different the, time on what was out there and what was being televised. That's incredible. That yeah, it's uh there's there's a long discussion to be had there, but the way boxing is being brought to its uh, to its fans it has always changed over time. And uh, 
at the time, the advertising dollars were so high and pay-per-view wasn't, and cable wasn't yet fully embedded. Um, advertising was the way to do it. So if you could sell the ads like you could for the Super Bowl, then you can sell the ads for the heavyweight championship of the world and everyone gets to watch it. So that's it. Fantastic on that. That segues us into a final segment, which is what we have coming up. And I know we're looking forward to a couple of different bouts that will be uh, of interest. Uh, talk to me, first of all, here, we've got Junior Fa on right. the undercard of the uh, fight card this weekend in Australia, ESPN yeah. TV in the U.S., pay-per-view in Australia. Uh, this in Melbourne at Marvel Stadium, 50,000-plus. Junior Faw and Lucas Brown are on the undercard of, of George right. Cambosa's Devin Haney's undisputed lightweight title fight. What do you make of this, Sean, topheavyweights.com? What, what are we looking for here? It's, uh, it's a complete mismatch. Uh, no disrespect to Lucas Brown, but Junior Faw should be reaching higher. This should be uh, over in a round or two. And if it's not, based on Brown having lost to Paul Gallen, it would be a, a real mark on Junior Fa, and that's about all there is to say. All right, so we'll see. We'll see what happens in that. And again, I'm looking forward to that fight card uh, taking place again Saturday night U.S. time, Sunday afternoon in Australia, where it is a mega event there. Uh, and it's actually winter time right now. It's cooler in Australia. In Australia yeah. right now, it's their winter time, opposite. Uh, what it is in the in the northern hemisphere northern american hemisphere um, all right so we'll see what happens there we do have a couple of interesting fight cards that are coming not this weekend as we release the podcast but sean we try to stay relevant for the following weekend the weekend mm -hmm. of june 10th and 11th they're doing the international boxing hall of fame inductions and also that weekend at the turning stone resort uh there that is uh, that is nearby they've got a fight card uh right. on showbox the showbox series and this involves Bakadir, do I get it right? Yalalov. Yalalov's the Olympic gold medalist from the Tokyo Olympics. He's turned professional. Tell me more. He is on uh, this Showbox uh, Prospect Series. Tell me more about him and about the opponent real quick that we're looking for on June the 10th. Well, it's another fight which he's supposed to win. It's going to be at the Turning Stone Casino in Upper State New York, as you said. Um, Jack Malawai, who he's taking on, is no pushover. Um <laughs> I think Jalalov, who was the Olympic super heavyweight gold medalist, will win. But how he wins is going to be key because he's taking on a guy that will uh, test him. I would, I would think so. But uh, if you're going to look for a prediction on that one, I would say that uh, Jalalov will win inside of uh, five or six rounds. He is a grizzly bear figuratively too. Yeah. Massive Jalalov human being. So let's see what he looks like as a professional in a professional ring. Anything can happen. Uh, and the Hall of Fame induction will be going on that weekend as well. The next night on the Saturday night, not far from where I am sitting in the Tampa Bay area in Florida, South Florida, Miami, it is still yeah. on for now. Do not snicker at me, Sean. It is still on for now with Trevor Bryan of the United States and Daniel Dubois of England to fight for the WBA secondary version of the heavyweight title. Obviously, Alexander yeah. Usyk has the primary version. Yeah. You still are confident this is happening I believe uh, there's still some skepticism for me. I believe it eventually will get in the ring. That's in Miami. That is Saturday night, June 11th. A quick thought from you on the podcast. Yeah, I think it's going to happen because Frank Warren is involved and he's going to defend his fighter. And uh, the promotions have moved forward. The casino is selling tickets. It's really happening. They're both talking. They're both being interviewed. So let's assume it's going to happen. And I think that uh, 
unless Trevor Bryan brings something that no one's seen before, you're looking at a Daniel Dubois devastating knockout. Again, I would say inside of five or six rounds, um, unless Trevor Bryan is really ready to uh, make a statement. And if he wins, that'll be quite a statement and he will be jumping into the mix. And there's no questioning the fact he's in the mix, but if he gets devastated by Dubois, then he's going to be um, out of the mix. So we'll have to see what happens. Dubois, very decorated amateur. Dubois lost famously to Joe Joyce in England, suffering a fractured eye orbital in doing so. That appears to be healed up. He's favored to win. Again, what we're joking about is Don King has to come up with the money here, $3 million plus to put this event on. 90-year-old only in America. Don King still promoting fights. Let's see if it all does come together, not this weekend, but the following weekend. Final thought? Yeah, we'll cross our fingers and hope it's a good fight. All the best to the two combatants. Um, But it's the WBA regular title. We don't want to overspeak it, but um, it's a ticket to the top 15. And in, in Dubois' case, uh, he has got a lot of promise behind him. Again, no disrespect to Brian. He seems to be a little bit above kind of like club level, pretty good. And he's going to be in there with touted, really good, big punching fighter. Let's see. Let's see what, what happens. happens. Let's see what happens it, on it, that. It'll, it'll be exciting. We know that we have had fun on this podcast. Have we covered pretty much everything that we need to cover uh, for the recent, uh, uh, you know, the recency and the short term? How are we feeling? What else, Sean? Anything else? That's it. We don't want to eat up too much airtime. We've uh, (laughs) covered a few things and we'll be back in uh, in not too long. I would say maybe a week or two, depending on how things unfold. But uh, it's been uh, it's been fun. And uh, TJ, I guess with that, we'll uh, sign off. Yeah, I always love the insight from Sean with TopHeavyweights.com. Again, follow him at TopHeavyweights.com on social media. Also, TopHeavyweights.com, constantly updating. Sean, say this one more time. You've got the schedule there. You've got your own rankings that are there. It's it's really a one-stop for anybody that loves the heavyweight division, right? Yeah, we like what we're doing. It's a good it's a good organization that we're putting together in terms of all the elements. Um, It's... If you like heavyweight boxing, topheavyweights.com is worth stopping by. And we'll leave it at that because it's got what you want, tells you what's coming up. We find the stuff you're looking for and um, we enjoy doing it. So uh, to those that check it out, we say thanks and we'll keep it up and we'll try to get make it better. So Love it. All right, Sean, great stuff. Thank you. We'll be back again soon here with another edition. Thank you, my friend. Take care. And we thank you for finding us here as part of the Big Fight Weekend podcast feed. TopHeavyweights.com comes your way. We pledge at least a couple of times every month. We may be back more consistently with the bigger fights coming along. For now, keep up with everything in the heavyweight division with Sean Sight again, TopHeavyweights.com. And make sure you follow, subscribe, do what you need to do to get this show and all of our Big Fight Weekend content automatically on the podcast feed through Apple Podcasts. Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc. For now, we're good. For Sean, I'm TJ. Thank you for being with us on TopHeavyweights.com, the podcast.